Most of us consider ourselves to be pretty reasonable people, but there's a streak of superstition in just about everybody uh, here in Los Angeles. If you're driving on the freeway and you say, my God, traffic's fantastic. That is the absolute indication that there will immediately be an accident and you should never have opened your mouth and, 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 and made angry the freeway gods. I say that only because one of the things I'm most proud of in my life is that I've never sued anybody and I've never been sued. And now undoubtedly that's opened the floodgates. However, one of the many, many outcomes of the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, trial is the ongoing, widespread, practically universal sentiment on, on people who supported Rittenhouse that he needs to sue the people that slandered him, defamed him, and sue them into the wilderness. And while I am proud of the fact that I've never had to use lawfare against anyone or had it used against me, I am 100%, 100% in support of this uh, Hi, everybody. I'm Bill Whittle here with Steve Green and Scott Ott. And uh, this is your right angle on doing something to put this lying media into some sort of, of accountability. Uh, Steve, why don't we start with you? I have had uh, two occasions in my life when I feel like I had been clearly defamed, uh, clearly defamed, and, and spoke to my attorney about it. And one of the conditions that made it harder for me and finally convinced me not to go ahead with this was that there is a much higher bar to clear if you are a public figure. Yeah. In other words, if you're a public figure, the fact that I'm out there making opinions on things makes me more reasonably attacked. This this actually makes some kind of sense. So let's talk with the two about the two bars that we, that that Rittenhouse would have to clear in order to get some kind of satisfaction, not only legal satisfaction and not only financial satisfaction, but emotional satisfaction from the people who have done him so much harm. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse is under no definition a public figure. Uh -huh. To the degree that everybody in the country knows his name, people know his name because of the defamation that, that, was, that was delivered to him by the news media. So what you have to do in order to win a case like this is you have to prove, I'll, I'll leave one of these for Scott, you, you have to prove that the people who who made the accusations against you knew that the accusations were false at the time. That is one of the requirements. If, if I make a statement about Rittenhouse and I know it is not true, that's different than me giving an opinion without knowing the, the data. Steve, do you think that the news media has any defense on this grounds? Do you think there is any way that they could say, hey, we just didn't know? Uh, we huh. just didn't know that he didn't go shoot black people. We just didn't know that he was a, a white supremacist. We we just didn't know that that he was uh, uh, wasn't a vigilante. You know, I've hardly written anything about Kyle Rittenhouse, not since the events of last year, uh, not till the trial. It really took me because our media is so so terrible at its job. It took me reading the trial transcripts to really get a bead on this young man and what transpired, because according to the media reports we got before the trial, because they knew these things, they could report these things as, as fact. He was uh, looking for trouble. He got his AR-15. He crossed state lines. Yeah. Uh, just waiting for the opportunity to shoot some people. This is the impression we got from watching the, the news. This is the story, yes. From August, I guess, yeah, it was August of 2020 up until, actually, no, uh, we, we covered this in my segment this week. The media, many in the media are still pushing this narrative. God, Joy Reid is right. just 
completely insane in a liable way, I believe, to answer your question. But it really took me until reading these uh, these transcripts to get a beat on this young man. And what he reminds me of more than anything else is uh, a lot of young men who join the military. They do it because they're looking for adventure. They're looking to uh, join a noble cause, whatever it is. Um, but they 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 go into the into the military with good intention, um, like young men have done for for all of history. Not all of them, <laughs> but but many young men, most probably, join the military with good intention, and then a war comes along, and they have to do and see things that they never ever wanted to do or see, and those things haunt them for the rest of their lives. And so this was a 17-year-old kid who saw a bunch of stuff going down uh, not too far away and that the authorities weren't doing anything. And so like that that 18-year-old who enlists in the army, uh, he went there to try and make a difference, to try and do some good, to try and protect some property, to protect some lives and to, to help people in need. And apparently that is what he was doing. Um, but then horrible things happen, and he had to do horrible things in response, and I believe those things will probably haunt him the rest of, the, rest of his life. The major difference between Kyle Rittenhouse and that other young man who joined the army is that young man who joined the army wasn't ridiculed and held up as a monster by the press when he returned home. Unless, of course, he served in Vietnam. Yeah. You know, um, talking about about um, whether or not they could, whether or not the media had knowledge of what they were saying being false. Anybody who looks at that video watches Kyle Rittenhouse just trying to get the hell out of there. Yeah. I mean, that's all that video is: is him just trying to get out of there. Yeah. That alone destroys the uh, the the argument and the narrative that they've created for him. Scott, the other uh, the other bar that that. Uh, Rittenhouse would have to um, clear in order to be successful in this is is malice. So it, it's a multi-part thing. Basically, you have to, in order to be successful in a case like this, you have to prove that the that the media in question lied about what was happening, knew that they lied about what was happening, and furthermore, lied with intent to harm, that there was malice aforethought, that this was not just a random thing that just happened to happen, that they that they specifically did this in order to harm this individual. Do you see any possible way that the media could be able to claim, no, we didn't mean any harm to this guy. We just, we I guess we just got our facts wrong. No, I think it's actually the other way around, Bill. I think uh, in order for a case like this to succeed, you've got to have concrete evidence. They're not going to say, hey, it seemed like they had malice. No, you need to get emails from editors and reporters. You need to get interactions between anchors and producers that are substantiated either in recordings, uh, audio or video recordings, or actual text that they can bring before the court and say, this proves that there was malice involved in this. It's not enough to look at the outcome of it and say, well, certainly that had a malicious effect on Kyle Rittenhouse and his life and his future. You have to actually demonstrate that that's what was what was intended. And the only way to show that is to have documentation for that. And so as I look at a case like this, as much as any individual conservatives or anybody else may want Kyle Rittenhouse to sue, number one, 
you've got to have a case that you can win. It doesn't pay to go to court against people who have billions of dollars in order to make some sort of, uh, you know, valorous statement where you say, well, see, I went up against them. Unless Kyle's running for Congress, he's not going to waste his time and money on a failed effort or waste his time and other people's money on a failed effort. Only Congress people can do that because they can say, look, I went to Washington and fought for you. Of course, I didn't win. Um, So number one, you've got to have a case that will actually work. Number two consideration is what's the desired outcome of this lawsuit? Are you trying to deliver a brushback pitch to the media so you can say, hey, you won't do this to anybody else again because we're going to make it sting bad enough that you're going to look twice at any future story. In essence, is this kind of a way of extrajudicially, well, it is judicial, but it's, you know, outside of the law, extra legislatively enforce due diligence upon reporters and editors so that they will actually come with the facts. There was a time in the American news business when there was at least a nominal division between opinion and news. The news was in the front section of the newspaper, and then you'd plow through to like page eight or page 16, and there was an opinion page, clearly demarcated as such. When Walter Cronkite or, uh, you know, Huntley and Brinkley decided to give their opinion at the end of a newscast, their signature would appear on the screen. Now, it's that's, an editorial. Yeah, yes, this is clearly an editorial. We're expressing an opinion. Um, the the defense, by the way, in a case like this for Joy Reid or anybody else would be to stand up in court and say, nobody thinks this is factual news. It's an entertainment opinion show, clearly. And let me show you clip after clip of MSNBC and CNN and Fox News and any others clearly demonstrating that what we do is not deliver factual news. We deliver entertainment and opinion. And like a sports show where you can get on there and call LeBron James a clumsy oaf anytime you want, uh, It's the same thing we do in the news business. So the defense for the news media is to undercut their own business, to destroy their own credibility by openly acknowledging that, in fact, they're not a news business at all, that they're just in the entertainment um, business. What I would wish that this would do, um, at least even the talk of it, would be to make American editors and reporters sit down and say, how do you cover a trial in a society where the presumption of innocence is constitutional law. How do you cover a trial like this? So, you know, you can go into coverage of this and you can say, okay, now what the prosecution will need to prove is A, B, C, D, E. What the defense will need to do is to say X, Y, Z. um, And you can outline the case and the way cases can be made, but you can't get on there and start speaking as if the presumption of innocence did not exist. If you really want to be part of American society and really be part of covering the news in a way that would be consistent with the vision of the framers of the Constitution. If you're just doing entertainment, well, then, of course, you want to say, hey, this white guy went hunting black people uh, because he saw a concentration of them and thought, well, this is great. This is better than putting out a salt lick for deer. Um, I think that uh, the media will not get this message. I think it's unlikely that Rittenhouse is going to pursue a case like this as satisfying as it might be. And frankly, you know, after the guy loses a year of his life, where do you go to get your reputation back? It'd be nice to get some cash from CNN, but CNN's not going to pay that. Their their E&O insurance will cover that. And so they're going to, they're, they're not going to, even if they had to pay it out of their own pockets, even if these journalists had to pay it out of their own pockets, 
it's it'll be just like a gnat uh, on a horse. It's not going to hurt them, and they're going to continue to do what they would do. The only reason to pursue this case is if you think it would have a tangible, measurable effect that would make journalism better and therefore make the society better. Hey, uh, Scott, Bill, can I throw in something just very, very sure, quickly? Please. Scott, something exactly like you were talking about happened in, in recent months. I can't remember the details of the case, but MSNBC was getting sued and made the argument that Rachel Maddow was not a news show. It was entertainment. And the judge agreed. <laughs> that That's a good argument <laughs> and true. Yeah. It's one thing for a, a, a sports uh, personality on ESPN to say that LeBron James is a clumsy oath. And it's another thing for him to say that LeBron James raped a boy named David Johnson on the 19th of September uh, 2014. Those are not equivalent statements. One of them is an opinion. Another one is defamatory and destructive and specific. And and when you make a specific charge like that, you had better be able to prove that you are speaking the truth because that is the definition of, of defamation. As far as your argument about why would he do it goes, as I can tell you, you haven't been in this situation twice. I would I would love to hurt them financially, but all I'd want is a, I'd want a one dollar settlement so that I could say that these people lied about me, that the things that they said about me are proven to be false in a court of law, and that they made this whole thing up and that it is simply not true. That is the minimum that I would take. This idea that they can put on the clown nose, basically. This was the argument we used to bring up with John Stewart, who would go out and make all yep. of these political statements. And when he was questioned about them and challenged on them, I'm just an entertainer. I'm just a guy playing a role on TV. You don't get to have it both ways. Okay, you don't. This, this, I think the case for defamation is is extraordinarily strong. I think everybody I've ever seen who commented on the degree of lying that was openly made, the degree of statements that they knew were provably false in order to advance a narrative that self-defense is not allowed in this country, especially self-defense with an AR-15, especially self-defense with an AR-15 against the state-approved mobs that are burning down cities. I think he's got a rock solid case and I think he needs to I think he needs to follow it. I think he will. There are no constraints at all upon the people who are supposed to be on constraining the rest of society. This isn't a news media. This isn't a factually based organization. This is this is not just, well, gee, we didn't know. This is willful criminal negligence. And, and I think he is on extremely solid ground, especially since he is a non-public figure who was basically demonized by people who knew better and knew they knew better and did it in order to harm this guy because they, as we all know, wasn't Kyle Rittenhouse that was, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse that was under on trial, it was the right to self-defense. I think you need to sue the living daylights out of them. I don't care if their insurance company pays it. I don't care if it hurts them or not. I think you not only should sue the organizations, I think you should specifically sue the individuals by name and go after those people and subpoena whatever you need to in order to do this. And I'm finally reminded in all of this by, uh, by what happened in the aftermath of the O.J. Simpson trial, where where a, a botched prosecution and any number of other social pressures led the criminal charges against him to be uh, dismissed. This is, the, this is the price you pay for presumption of innocence. But after that was over, um, uh, Ron Goldman's father went into private legal uh, 
lawsuit against O.J. Simpson and won and hurt him back. And I was very happy to see that. And I'll bet you that uh, Goldman's dad and family was also, I know they were happy to see it. I know they got some sense of justice by having a court declare that this person, we believe, murdered my son and this woman and and some sense of justice is being done. The whole Rittenhouse trial in terms of the outcome was a was a, a sense that maybe justice can be served in this country. And now it's time to serve some justice on the people who tried so hard to deprive that young man of the justice of a fair trial. Now it's time for them to be on the stand. Now it's time for them to be under attack. Now it's time for them to be defending themselves against a serious onslaught. And I hope to God they pay a very high price for it because God knows they've earned it. For Steve Green and Scott Ott, I'm Bill Woodle. We'll see you next week right here on Right Angle.